0: Dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now, here's your host, Kathy Rue. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and listening to It's the Law with
1: Kathy Rue. Kathy Rue is coming through this afternoon. Just want to talk today a little bit about trust. We've been focusing on estate planning the last two radio episodes. And so we're going to talk a little bit about trust because I get questions about that quite a bit actually. I'm here today with Zach Lewis. Hey and kevin ebly hey
2: kathy how are you i'm
1: doing well how are you, know, you usually you
2: intro me first and this time you did zach and i respect that butt. choice <laughs> i think that was
3: great i'm trying
1: to play fair All hey, right, i fair, don't want to play favorites <laughs> i gotta work with both you guys
3: well thank you you and i You're go welcome. way back i mean you well, we
1: do go way back kevin you know you have a special place in my heart oh likewise you, you trained me trained me <laughs> in radio you are now a <laughs> seasoned pro yes So we want to talk about trust today, and I just wanted to explain a little bit about that. There's different types of trust under the law, of course, and you can create them in different ways. For example, if you're drafting your will you can set up trust in your will document you can set up living trust um you can that's a sep that would be a separate document outside of your will so there's different types of trust want to get into that a little bit um zach i know you had asked me some questions about trust
3: definitely mostly just kind of just to dive into a little bit generic stuff but i'm interested to see what you have to say
1: yeah well basically it's a written document it's going to be a written document and it is A relationship you are creating a relationship of trust between the trust the grantor who is the person that's setting up the trust sometimes the grantor is also known as the settler Um, and also the beneficiaries which are the people who benefit from whatever monies or property is inside is placed inside the trust You don't need any particular words to create a trust as long as it complies with the statutes that you're creating the trust under. So um, you can, just as long as you can show the intent to create the trust, and you have to have a purpose. So you, you can't create a trust if you don't have a purpose for creating it, but if The purpose is not clearly stated Um, texas law allows the courts to infer a purpose from the circumstances so let's talk a little bit let's focus a little bit on testamentary trust which are the trust that you create in your will Um, oftentimes those are created by parents who have minor children so that in case the parents pass away while the children are still minors The property doesn't go directly into the name of the child. The title doesn't pass directly to the children, it goes into the trust. And once the property is in the trust, there's a trustee that's named in your will who is in charge of managing that property and distributing it for the benefit of the heirs, which of course would be the minor children. Now, you can set this testamentary trust up several different ways. Um, You can have uh, the distributions based on different events occurring in the child's life. You can have the distributions based on the child reaching a certain age. Um, For example, you could set it up where once the child reaches age 21, they get a distribution. It would be a lump sum distribution. You can determine the amount Of the distribution or you can set it up uh, well and then you can continue for example at age 21 they'd get a distribution at age 28 they'd get a distribution at age 35 they'd get a distribution and then perhaps at age 42 they would get whatever remains in the corpus of the trust and the corpus is the the body of the trust those are the assets and the property that actually are placed or titled to the trust and are held by the trust legally, and that's where the distributions come from. Um, Another example would be if the beneficiary achieves a certain event. For example, let's say they graduate from college. You could uh, earmark a distribution for them upon achieving that event. If they graduate from graduate school or medical school or they get a higher level degree, they could get a distribution if they get married they could get a distribution if they have a child they could receive a distribution if they um, want to start a business they could get a distribution so those are some of the types of events that you can put into the trust for the beneficiaries and so the trust or the the, the funds that are in the trust will act as a sort of a safety net for the beneficiaries and also as perhaps seed money if the child wants to you know engage in some entrepreneur activity or do some investing they would have that seed money to assist them in achieving those goals
3: you know trusts kind of sound like a catch-all for a lot of cool things i mean this is a good way you can kind of pass on uh, maybe some of your legacy or heritage onto others. you know, and this aren't necessarily if uh, something is to happen to you kind of like real estate real estate planning or will. Uh, somebody can be somebody can be alive and, and and pass on something through a trust, correct?
1: Yes, and that's a different type of trust than a testamentary trust. Mm-hmm. That's called a living trust. And I get questions and I get calls about those as well. Um when you're setting up a living trust, it's the same, it's very a very similar scenario, except the trust is not created upon your death the way it is in a testamentary trust. The trust is created, of course, while you're still alive. That's why it's called a living trust. So you would execute a document, put in the terms that you want the trust to be governed under. It has to comply with the statutes the texas statutes that govern trust and you have you have your grantor or your settler which is which would be you zach if Mm -hmm. you're creating a living trust say for a dependent that you have sure and your dependent would be the beneficiary and you would have to pick someone to be the trustee that could be kevin that could be myself but you would appoint us to manage the property that exists in the trust or that you're putting in the trust one of the the it's not necessarily a disadvantage, but one of the things to be careful about with living trust is you have to be very diligent in keeping track of the property that you're placing in that trust. For example, if you have your house that you own in your name and you want to transfer that to the trust, you certainly can do that, but you need to make sure that you keep track of that because What happens is people, sometimes it happens, people set up living trust and then they put property in the trust and then they sell property and they forget that they've sold the property, they no longer own it, they purchase new property, they forget to put the new property in the trust, or they do put it in but then they don't remember that they've put it in and so they're not keeping very good records and keeping track of it. So that's one of the things to be wary of or be diligent about if you're setting up a living trust, right?
3: So naturally, one of the questions to ask is: Say, uh, I'm to set a testamentary trust for uh, one of my children. Uh, like when they turn 18 um, and they're headed to college, they get a big uh, a lump sum to, for for college. Um, I know that's something I had a friend back in high school that had going on. Um, but a testamentary trust is one of those that only is only works in the case of my my death. Yes. Um, so if that happens, I set one of those, and then I. Hopefully I make it to see to see my child's eighteenth birthday. Does that still go into effect or is that just null and void?
1: It depends on the terms of the trust. Usually they're again they're set up if you have a minor child so that the property is protected for the benefit of the child. The trust can exist beyond the age of majority, you know, like I mentioned earlier there could be different ages where the distribution occurs. So just because the child under the testamentary trust turns age 18 doesn't necessarily mean the trust has to end. It can continue on. But there is the rule of perpetuities, which says that a trust has a limited life. The trust cannot continue on forever, so at some point the trust will terminate, and whatever's remaining in the corpus of the trust must be distributed to the beneficiaries.
3: Now, who you, you mentioned this earlier, the person that's responsible for ensuring that a uh, trust is, is, is carried out is, would be the trustee. Yes, right. That's that would correct. be something I would assign to Kevin or you or, or, or maybe somebody somebody that I assume would be around for a while.
1: Yes, so when you're doing your estate planning, you want to name your primary trustee, your first choice, and then you also want to name a successor trustee, at least one successor trustee in the event that the first person you've named is unable to serve as the trustee for whatever reason.
3: Right. And, and I assume, while it's kind of absurd, much like in estate planning, you could probably set as many people as you want.
1: You could. Yeah, you could as,
3: as the ultimate safety. You know, yes. you cast a wide net. And you, and you could you have co-trustees
1: even. You know, you could set up co-trustees. I I caution anyone setting up co-trustees where you, let's say you set up a trust in your will, but you won't put me and Kevin as co-trustees. mm mm-hmm. um, In one respect, that's a good idea. In another respect, not so much, because when you have two people, who's going to be the tiebreaker? Unless these two people have an understanding amongst themselves and are in agreement on how most, if not all, things are going to work under the trust, if you have co-trustees and they disagree, who Who breaks the tie? Who Uh, makes the decision? I
3: mean, that's one of the reasons, like, uh, you know, attorneys in this case exist. I mean, that happens all the time. Two people get stuck on on an estate or a trust or a leftover anything. I mean, so I guess let's 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 let me step back for a second with wills and and everything we had talked about before. Other documentation, declaration of guardians, mental health, uh, tons of stuff. What are the advantages and disadvantages of just a trust?
1: That's a great question, Zach, and we have to cut to break right now. So when we come back, I will be prepared to answer that for you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Kathy Rue, It's the Law.
0: Stay tuned. More of It's the Law next on RNCN.
4: Real estate moves fast, and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With real locator the communication gap has finally been bridged.
5: Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Real Locator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand.
4: Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy, and convenient. Reallocator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Real Locator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional.
5: For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because, you know, you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're going to be able to generate these leads in real time.
4: Download your free version of Reallocator on the Apple iTunes Store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com.
3: When it comes to bullying, don't validate, eliminate. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, President of the National Education Association. It's up to us as educators, as parents, as adults, to stand up on behalf of bullied kids. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult
6: and take the pledge at nea.org slash bully free.
7: A message from the National
6: Education Association. Hi, I'm Danny O'Connell. I'm partner at Benefit Resource Group, a family-owned boutique insurance agency. BRG is one of the leading boutique agencies here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our mission is to add value to our clients' and employees' lives through creative insurance solutions. When you start going upstream to a regional or even a national-type provider, the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom. A lot of times, they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need. Numerous times, they've already made an agreement, and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end, and they may not always be the best in your area or for your situation. Being a boutique, we are independent. We have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you. It's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents. You can reach us at 214-750-7557, and you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com.
8: Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week.
9: In recent months... Some have lost faith and trust in those who protect us. They are being thrown at police. They are being sworn by these protesters. Frustration has blurred our vision, but we've faced challenges before. Operation Blue Shield is a new movement to help communities have productive conversations directly with law enforcement and first responders to listen and heal. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're all in. Stand united with us at OperationBlueShield.com. This time, it's for all of us.
2: destination for premium talk radio.
0: You're tuned in to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Welcome back, everyone. We're happy to have
1: you tuning in with us today. I'm Kathy Rue, the hardest working lawyer in the DFW, <laughs> and we're here to talk about trust today.
3: Yes. Yes. So, I wanted to ask, I asked a question before the break, and I really wanted to kind of get into this a little bit. With all of the court documents we talked about over the past couple episodes necessary for kind of leaving behind your state, estate planning, as it were, your will, statutory power of attorney, HIPAA authorization, declaration of guardian, all that stuff, what is the advantages and disadvantages to just a trust?
1: Well, (coughs) some advantages to doing a testamentary trust or even a living trust is that, um, well, advantages to doing a testamentary uh, living trust, excuse me, is that you can avoid probate with it. If you place your assets inside of the living trust, then you don't have to probate the decedent's will upon their death. And so that avoids a lot of um, expenses in the cost of being in court, hiring an an attorney, um, and it allows you some privacy because with a trust, no one knows what property is in the trust. So with probate, sometimes, you have to disclose the decedent's assets. So that's a couple of advantages, because with probate process, you, ha- you oftentimes file an inventory. And so in that inventory, you will list the assets and the value of the assets for the decedent. So having a trust will afford you some privacy, and it's less expensive because you don't have to probate the person's will. One disadvantage of having a trust is that because you're not probating a will, you don't get to use the claim procedure that the probate process offers you. So sometimes you're not able to avoid creditor's claims because you're not using that cutoff Uh, That statute of limitations, which is a very short period of time, which is advantageous if you're probating a will. So you don't have that option available to you. Um, So another advantage of having a trust is that um, it avoids a guardianship. Proceeding to manage the minor's affairs because if you don't have a trust in place, then upon your passing, if your children, if your minor children were to inherit any property, you would have to um, go to court and file for a guardianship proceeding. And then that guardianship proceeding will appoint a guardian over the estate of the minor children, and that guardian will manage the children's property. And that's a fairly Extensive, lengthy, um, more involved, costlier process than if you have a trust in place.
3: All right, now you mentioned something in there that I wanted to dig into a little bit. You said. Nobody knows what's inside the trust. Now, I know you have trustees assigned, but is a trust like a, like a safety deposit box almost?
1: It's not a safety deposit box. It's just a written document that names who the parties are to the trust, who the beneficiaries are, and you title your property in the trust. And generally, you're going to want to attach a page to the trust that lists what property you have put into the trust. So but it's a private document. For example, if you came to me, you hired me to draft a trust for you, I'm going to give you back that paperwork and only you will have access to it as well as anyone you choose to share it with. So it's not a public document. It's not made public to the entire world or for third parties to see unless you so choose to share it that way
3: so even you as my attorney may not see that
1: well i would see it because i would have drafted it i would have a copy of it if you went to someone else and changed it i wouldn't know what changes you made but at least for the original document that you had me draft, mm-hmm. I would have a copy of that and I would see that and I would know the terms of that. And then if you had me fund in, fund the trust for you by placing property in the trust, of course, I would know that. But that information, again, is... Subject to the attorney client privilege, so I'm not allowed to share that with anyone except you unless you request or authorize me to share it with a third party. Right. Now, there was so, one
3: other thing you mentioned in your previous answer. You said something about creditors, and this actually leads back to a question I'd had from last week that we never actually got to. Uh, my grandma. Lovely grandma. Uh, she was she was so great. My mom's mom. Uh, she passed away unfortunately a few years ago, and she left uh, you know a bunch of stuff from her estate, a house to my parents, which was fantastic. Uh, they so they went to check out the house and they popped open the mailbox and found a bunch of bills from creditors. And I know we, this might be veering off trust a little bit, but what happens there if somebody passes away with their old bills? I mean, do their creditors get a claim to this stuff, or is that something that needs to be sorted out by? by next of kin
1: well generally when someone passes away you want to start the probate process if they have a will you definitely want to probate their will and the Texas statute provides you should do that within a four year time period there are a Very narrow exceptions to that four year deadline, but generally you will want to probate the will within that four year timeline from the date of the decedent's death. So if the person died today, you would have four years from today. That's the general rule to probate their will, and you would want to do it within that time period. Otherwise, you would have to show, for example, that you were in default, that you were not excuse me, that you were not in default um, for failing to probate their will because you you discovered it after the four-year period, Um, or you relied on an attorney's advice who told you not to probate it, or uh, four years have passed and you discovered that there's property that the decedent is entitled to that's in the hands of a third party and you need to probate the will, in order to recover that property. So those are three exceptions to that general rule that requires you to probate the will within a four year period. Um, And so once you probate the will, you're going to send you're going to post a creditors notice and that puts all of the decedent's creditors on notice that an administration is being had over this decedent's estate and if you have any claims against the decedent or against the the property of the estate you need to come forward and file those claims in the court proceeding so that they the court can determine or the administrator, or the executor, whatever the case may be, may determine whether or not that's a valid claim, whether or not it's payable. Um, The claim can get litigated if necessary, settled if necessary, you know, and processed that way. If there's no will, you still want to probate the estate under uh, a determination of heirship and an administration if there's debts in the same creditors claim process applies in that administration proceeding, you're going to post a notice to creditors, they need to come in, they need to file their claim, and have it resolved through the administration of the estate. Because part of the purpose of probate, it's not the personal representative is charged with two things, it was several things, actually, Uh, the, the personal representative is charged with gathering up all of the decedent's assets, managing them in a fiduciary capacity and distributing the assets to the estate. But they're also charged with paying debts. And so if there's creditors claims out there, you know, the creditors are going to get notice in an administration and there needs to be a determination of whether or not the claim is valid, whether it should be paid, and then if so, the, the personal representative needs to go ahead and pay that claim.
3: All right. So thank you for taking a walk with me. It <laughs> sounds like welcome. we can do a whole episode about <laughs> we that. Can.
1: We can. We segued a little bit I from know, trust yeah, to let, probate, let, but let, that's let me, okay. Let me
3: get back into trust here. So we'll go with kind of kind of a simple one to start us out. We you Now, you mentioned we have testamentary trusts, we have living trusts. Are there any other trusts we should know about?
1: Yes, there's all different types of trusts. For example, there's a a Miller Trust, which can be used to help someone qualify for Medicaid if they are income ineligible for Medicaid benefits. You can set up a Miller Trust, and what that does is that allows you to put the excess income in the trust, which is to be used for their maintenance and, and welfare, um, and that keeps them the, their income at the Medicaid cap, so that they can be eligible for Medicaid. Now, with a Miller trust, you cannot put assets in it. It's only for income, huh. so you you can't use it if you have assets that would make you ineligible for the Medicaid program. Under those circumstances, you're going to have to spend down. So, all
3: right. So we've got Miller trusts. Uh, you mentioned one during the break, an inter vivos trust? Is that how you say that?
1: Yeah, inter vivos is the same thing as a living trust. Inter vivos is Latin for during your life. Ah. Um, mortis causa is Latin for upon your death or you know after your death. So the testamentary trust are considered mortis causa trust. The living trust are considered inter vivos trust. And there's all kinds of trust. There's um, Islet trust, which are ir- irrevocable life insurance trust. There are not only revocable living trust, but there's also irrevocable living trust. So there's just there's a there's a plethora of trust types of trust out there that you can use, depending on what your situation is. There's a special needs trust that you can set up for someone who has a disability. But upon your passing, you want them to receive property so that they have those assets there to help take care of them financially, you know, pay for their medical bills, their housing, that type of thing. So you can set up a special needs trust for those people. So there's all different types of trust you can set up depending on, you know, what your goals are and what the, per- the beneficiaries Uh, needs are
3: right well i appreciate that there are certainly a lot of answers to this stuff because i definitely have a lot of questions about it yeah
1: yes well we have to cut to break again when we come back we can answer some of zach's questions stay tuned we're having a lot of fun here discussing trust it's the law with kathy rue
0: it's the law with kathy rue continues next on rncn
3: My name is Gil Bonifaz, and I'm the owner-operator of Cafe Herrera at the Omni in downtown Dallas. As a fourth-generation restaurateur, we strive to bring you a new generation of Tex-Mex and to continue on the legacy that was started by my great-grandmother over 45 years ago. At Cafe Herrera, we're taking a modern approach towards Tex-Mex. From our sizzling fajita bar to our tequila craft cocktails, we strive to
6: provide the best experience possible for all our diners and continue the legacy that was started over 45 years ago. Whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks, or catering, we'd love to see you out. Find us at cafeherrera.com.
3: When it comes to bullying, don't validate, eliminate. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, president of the National Education Association. It's up to us as educators, as parents, as adults, to stand up on behalf of bullied kids. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult.
7: And take the pledge at NEA.org slash Bully Free. A message from the National Education Association.
8: Everyone hates a dirty house, but who wants to spend Saturdays cleaning? There's the vacuuming, the dusting, the mopping floors, scrubbing the toilets, cleaning the showers, and who even has the time to clean the ceiling fans or wash the baseboards? And if the kids have a game, well, there goes the weekend. That's why I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service. I love my busy life and my clean home.
6: Today, nearly half our nation's fighting forces are members of the Guard and Reserve. When they are called to active duty, they leave behind a family, a community, and a job. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, a Department of Defense agency, honors and protects the bond between service members and their civilian employers. Whether serving our country or supporting those who do, we all serve. To learn more about ESGR, call 1-800-336-4590 or visit esgr.mil.
7: Hi, this is Andrew Sabo, Vice President of Symphion. I'm responsible for the marketing for Symphion's Information as a Service. We have a particular focus on hospitals and healthcare organizations because they are particularly vulnerable to cybersecurity risks. The average patient record is worth $363 on the black market. Symphion's Information as a Service gathers intelligence on your print fleet or your Windows-based devices in such a way they can identify and audit the security settings of each device. We're able to deliver that information in a concierge style to the appropriate parties so they can take their cybersecurity plan to a whole nother level. For more information give us a call today at 214-522-4000 or visit us on the web at Symphion.com. That's S-Y-M-P-H-I-O-N.com. Symphion, the unparalleled value of innovation in action.
0: Hi, I'm Shantae Hawkins, the bottom line
1: strategist and CEO and founder of Profit is the New Black. Many business owners believe that the numbers aren't sexy. I'll tell you what's not sexy, being broke. It doesn't take money to make money. It takes action, consistent action. That's exactly what I was able to help my clients do, take them from multiple five figures to six figures in their business and even from multiple six figures to seven figures. To find out more about me, you can check me out at profitisthenewblack.com or pick up the phone and call me at 972-375-0777.
5: Listening
6: to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio.
0: Broadcasting with the power of attorney. You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Hi, good afternoon. We're
1: back with It's the Law. I'm Kathy Rue. I'm in the studio with Zach Lewis and Kevin Ebling. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. And we are here talking about trust, um, different types of trust, testamentary trust, which are created in your will, and also living trust, which you create while you're still alive and put property in both. And Zach had a question for me, I believe, I before did. we went to break.
3: Yeah, I didn't quite get to it, but I'm going to get to it now.
2: I so. also have a listener question to follow this one up. Hopefully it's not Great. one you've already asked, Zach, Oh, yeah, I yeah. might have already squeezed that
3: one in. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask... How can, much like with the will, uh, how can an individual undo a trust? If they write one, how can they they, uh, revoke it?
1: Well, you can revoke it by any reasonable means. Basically, if you want to change the terms of it, you can revoke it by executing a new document, a new trust, and say that I revoke all previous trust. Um, You can deface it, write void across it, you know, destroy it, something like that. Um, Any reasonable means you can use to revoke a trust. Reasonably defacing, right. You can't do anything unreasonable. That's right. And one other practice tip I just wanted to throw out there is that generally a trust has to be funded. For example, you can write up the document and create the trust on paper but if you don't fund it if you don't put any property to it technically mm, not really a trust so you need to put some property in the trust you could do that by making the primary beneficiary on a life insurance policy Uh, be the trustee of the trust. Um, They could be the secondary beneficiary. They don't have to be the primary. You could put title to real estate into the trust. You can put bank accounts into the trust, Um, stock, CD, anything like that. But you do have to transfer property into the trust in order for it to technically be a trust. There needs to be a corpus there. That's now, part of creating it.
3: Now, there's a lot of different types of trust for a lot of different types of situations. I yes. like to think the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, much <laughs> like property. Property is one of those things that's kind of left up to user interpretation, right? I mean, you could leave a house, you could leave a fleet of cars, or you could leave a goldfish to somebody with a trust, right? I mean, anything, really.
1: Yes, only if that goldfish is worth uh, <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so is there there, is there, there like a base? some
2: intrinsic value. The, yeah, of yeah is, the, the is, the is there a baseline
3: it. of value for a trust to work? Does I don't it something think that have to be a working? A a certain amount. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a
1: baseline, amount. but the you know, it sort of has to be in line with the purpose of the trust. The whole purpose of the trust is to leave this this corpus this money or this property to benefit the beneficiaries. Right. So you do want it to have some value because It's supposed to take care of the needs, the maintenance, the the welfare, the health, the education of the beneficiaries.
3: Okay, so I wanted to ask, because this is something I think we mentioned last week. I remember the term coming up. Maybe you can tell me. What's the difference between a trust and a custodial account?
1: Yes, well, Texas has a statute called Texas Uniform Transfers to Minors Act, and it allows you to set up, say, let's say a bank account for a minor and put a parent as a custodian. Um, And that can be used to, you know, later on transfer money to the the child. When you're comparing that, they're called Tutma. The acronym for that is Tutma. When you're comparing the Tutma accounts to a trust, there are certain advantages and disadvantages to consider. For example, the Tutma account is not—it's uh, not very flexible.
5: It's—it's
1: it's pretty straightforward, um, but the only significant discretion that is available to the person creating the account is the choice of the custodian. So you get to pick who you want to be the custodian over the account, but the governing of the account is basically by statute and that's very um, inflexible. And the, the account cannot have more than one beneficiary. And if the minor, passes away, then the property that's set up in the account will be distributed according to the rules of intestate distribution if the minor left no will. So if you set up a trust, uh, a- instead of a Tutma account, the trust is significantly more flexible. Um, for example, a trust can last for any length of time, it's subject only to the rule against perpetuities and the generation skipping transfer tax. Um, A trust can have multiple beneficiaries. You're not limited to just one beneficiary. And a trust can limit the amount of compensation that's payable to the trustee. So those are some things to consider when you're comparing whether you want to do just a straightforward TUTMA account or whether it would be better to do a trust. Another advantage of having a trust is that it offers Numerous creating planning um, opportunities uh, to the minor, well, to the testator in terms of how they want to benefit the minor.
3: So I wanted to ask because you mentioned it in there Texas. Now we're in Texas, and sometimes it's easy to forget because a lot of the times it feels like the rest of the United States. A lot of this stuff you're saying makes a lot of sense, a lot of it sounds like it should just be universal. So All of this information about trust—is this all just specific to the Lone Star State, or does some of this cross over and it's just kind of a federally, you know, mandated uh, mandated rules?
1: Well, what I'm talking about are rules that are specific to the state of Texas. There may be rules, or there may be laws in other states that are similar to Texas laws, but I'm really not. Permitted to discuss those because I'm only licensed in the state of Texas and Louisiana, the states of Texas and Louisiana. So I can only discuss the specific laws that apply to trust in those two states.
3: And this is all mandated at the state level. That's where all of this comes from.
1: Yes, there are some um, federal statutes that there is an interplay with in terms of setting up trust. But when you're creating them, generally they're going to be subject to state law. And that's what you create them under is state law.
3: No, that makes sense. It's not like any of this is going to ever make it to the Supreme Court. It'll all be handled at a state level. So no, it all makes sense.
2: You keep forgetting, Zach, also that I've been chomping at the bit here with the listener question you trying know, to get this He's you know.
3: over there So you know what Yeah I'll, I'll let you Squeeze one in here well, We're almost got?
2: halfway Through the show And I also just want To get uh, listeners to know for future Reference if they have Any questions for Kathy uh, or, or maybe you Zach You seem to be Learning a lot here Thanks. About all this stuff You can email us At itsthelawwithkathyru At gmail.com With any of those questions Now we have an email From Jenna and Graham Prairie it's very close to where we are, actually. Mm. Uh, she says, "My father created an AB trust that allows his spouse to use the trust property until she dies. I'm supposed to receive any remaining property after my father's death. Can his spouse, who isn't my mother, revoke the trust and disinherit me?"
1: Okay, who's the trustee again?
2: Um, it says her father created the trust.
1: Right. So her- that
2: allows his spouse to use the trust property until she dies.
1: I would have to see the terms of the trust. But it it sounds like your father is the, the settler or the grantor of the trust and his surviving spouse is a beneficiary. So generally, the beneficiary doesn't have any rights to revoke a trust unless there were specific terms in the trust that grant that authority to the beneficiary.
2: Right. It doesn't seem like the spouse would be able to revoke that trust.
1: Exactly. It's usually going to be the grantor or the settler has the authority to revoke the trust and there may be some authority granted to the trustee upon certain conditions to, you know, in terms of managing the property or managing the the corpus of the trust. But it's unlikely that the surviving spouse would have the legal authority as a beneficiary to revoke the trust right. and that seems consistent with the purpose of the trust which is that upon the surviving spouse's death the property goes to you jenna now i've been
2: multitasking i'll admit here you guys may have already answered this question but i'm just curious <laughs> from looking at her question what is, what is an ab trust
1: that's a good question um AB, this is an AB conversation, so see your way out of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking. Was like, I've never seen that before. Like, I've never yeah, seen yeah, that B before trust.
1: either. Honestly, I'm not familiar with an AB trust. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'll have to do some research on and answer in our next radio session um because I'm not familiar with an AB trust. Perhaps it stands uh, for
2: something. Perhaps you meant to put something else. I'm not sure, but it, it didn't seem like something I noticed. So. I'd be
3: remiss if I didn't admit I had a listener question as well. I wanted to ask, since we, since we just asked, one uh brandon in denton wanted to inquire uh how would he go about finding the attorney that's taking care of his deceased parent's estate i mean what's uh what, what's the trick there
1: he wants to fight the attorney that's no no, no ca- just find the attorney he wants to find the attorney yeah, that's caring for the from estate from yeah. does he know who the attorney is
3: Mm-mm. So how would he, how do he go about tracking that individual? Well, bond?
1: that's an interesting question. Was something filed in court? Was it was the estate probated? Or is this a, a trust well, issue? To I be mean, honest,
3: I don't, I don't know a whole lot. That's that the, the one the problem with with emails as opposed to phone I know. calls. We but can't let's, inquire, let's you know. try to fill in the blanks a little bit here. I would assume, based on what we got, that his parents passed away, which is super unfortunate. Brandon, sorry to hear that. And he wanted to just, tra- I guess he hasn't heard anything from the attorney that you would assume is taking care of the estate if there is one. So how would you go about finding out if your parents have a will or a trust or something like that, assuming nobody's contacted you?
1: that w- That's difficult to find out because generally when someone passes, they leave a person in charge, um, either under a statutory power of attorney or uh, as the executor of their estate, they're going to leave someone in charge and give them copies of the documents or at least let them know where they can locate the documents upon their death. So um, he would need to check, I guess, with close family members. Is there anyone that was close to his parents? Yeah, somebody's gotta know the score, right? You know, would have had access to this information, maybe a a sibling, maybe another child, maybe a neighbor or close friend. Um, He can check the court records to see if anything's been filed in court regarding his parents' estate. Right. Um, Other than that, you know, I know if there was a will involved, he would be able to file a application in court to... Make someone who he thinks may have the will produce it in court, or at least have them show cause why they should not have to produce it. And so then they would be subpoenaed to court to answer that inquiry. In terms of a trust, I'm not sure. You know, he might be able to try to do the same thing with a trust. Can't say what his success might be right maybe
2: i'm thinking too far outside the box here (laughs) but is that something maybe you could hire like a private investigator for and have them (laughs) check it out i mean yeah you'd think it wouldn't be that hard to track down but at the same time like where do you
1: even start well well, if his parents passed away who was the person that went through the household belongings that would be a good place to start or who went through their personal belongings and their personal papers and you know tied up their bills and uh, transferred, if they had a car, transfer their car, transfer their house. Um, another place where he could try to look would be in the deed records and see if there's been anything recorded. Sometimes people will either record a trust in the deed records or they will record property that has been transferred into the trust for real estate transfers. Right. So that's another place for him to look. And I do have an answer, if we have a few minutes left, I do have an answer to Jenna's question. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, not an answer to her question, an answer to my question. <laughs> Kevin, you asked me what an AB trust is. An AB trust is a bypass trust so it's a marital deduction trust and what it does is it maximizes the exemption for both spouses in their estate planning so it's a trust that's created a testamentary trust created by their will in their estate planning process so there you go ab trust bypass trust Marital deduction trust, same.
3: There really are a ton of these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to keep track. (laughs)
3: Yeah. That's why you hire a professional. I wanted to say real quick, Brandon, if you have any more concerns, feel free to, you know, send us another email. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have any other questions, if you track them down, let us know what happens. We're curious to know.
1: Yeah. And we've got, I just got a funny story. We're about... we're almost out of time but i just wanted to tell you guys what happened to me saturday night i was working late at my office got locked out of my office i have to give a huge shout out to grapevine fire station four because the firefighters there were very helpful and supportive of me they are staffed as a rescue unit and they rescued me saturday night (laughs) and when everything was said and done I got the keys nice so shout out to me jay-z because i got the keys (laughs) (laughs) kathy rue it's the law kathy rue nation stay with us we'll be here mondays
0: noon talking about the law providing you her will and testament for good radio you're tuned into it's the law with kathy rue on rncn Mm -hmm. (laughs)
6: Thank <laughs> you. And Troy. and my business and executive coach. I can help my clients see the landscape out there, understand the strategy, really understand the people in their organization that they need to affect, influence, and lead, and also external parties and how to manage those situations and really decrease the amount of stress, trauma, and even drama in their lives. And that creates some massive uplift for them. For more information, you can go to beextraordinary.tv. That's beextraordinary.tv. What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices?
0: I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil.
2: You're a genius!
6: So really, would your food choices pay off in heart
3: health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels, and that's
6: good for your heart? Here's a winning idea, take up the challenge for good health, because the you of the future will say,
8: Fantastic!
6: Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign.
8: Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week.
9: In recent months... Some have lost faith and trust in those who protect us. Frustration has blurred our vision, but we've faced challenges before. Operation Blue Shield is a new movement to help communities have productive conversations directly with law enforcement and first responders to listen and heal. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're all in. Stand united with us at OperationBlueShield.com. This time, it's for all of us. The
4: world of real estate moves fast, and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With real locator the communication gap has finally been bridged.
5: Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Real Locator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand.
4: Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy and convenient. Real Locator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Real Locator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional. For
5: real estate professionals, it's a lead-generating monster because, you know, you could be at the office doing paperwork, and you're going to be able to generate these leads in real time.
4: Download your free version of Real Locator on the Apple iTunes Store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com.
5: You're listening to
2: RNCN. The digital destination for premium talk radio.
0: You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Good afternoon, everyone. We're here with It's the Law. I'm Kathy Rue.
1: I'm in the studio with Zach Lewis and Kevin Ebley. We're coming to you from Dallas, Texas. And we're talking about trust today.
3: Kevin likes to say towering above Dallas, Texas.
2: Say, <laughs> <laughs> hey, five floors counts as towering to me.
3: Yeah, hey, five floors is pretty high from the ground. Uh, so I had a couple of more questions for you. I just want to make sure everything was kind of simpatico that way.
1: Sure. Before you ask your question, right. I just want to get back to Jenna's question because Jen, I want course. to make Jenna sure I'm grapevine. giving people. Grandpa. correct and oh, Grandpa, I'm accurate sorry. information um, she wanted to know if the spouse could terminate the trust and i think since it's a bypass trust that the spouse does have authority to um, disassemble that trust and terminate it um, it may not be a good idea if it was established to minimize uh, tax federal taxes but um, she may have the authority to do it and again it's going to depend on what authority was granted by the document itself. So you'd have to look at the document, read it, and see if she was granted that authority. But generally speaking, she probably can if it's a bypass trust. You're up, Zach.
3: All right. So I wanted to ask, Texas law allows the state to infer a purpose behind a trust. Now, I was just kind of curious, what can you tell us about that? Like, what uh, when, when they infer a purpose, what are the circumstances under which they would do so? And uh, I don't know, how, how would they decide where, where our trust would – the purpose behind a trust?
1: Well, generally, the bur- the purpose behind all trust is to um, protect – or not protect, but to benefit the, the beneficiary. If you have minor children, it's to prevent property from going directly into their name as a minor – and um, it's also to provide for their health, education, and welfare. So that's generally going to be the purpose. And even if the document itself fails to state a purpose, the courts are allowed under Texas law to infer a purpose. So the court can review the document, um, look at how it's funded, uh, look at the parties involved, and infer what it is that the settler was trying to accomplish or trying to do by creating this trust.
3: So you can't make a trust and just have something generic like, well, it's my trust and that's what I want and that's the purpose. <laughs> it has to actually have some kind of legitimate universal reasoning behind it.
1: That helps. An yeah. underlying <laughs> purpose, so to speak. Yeah. That helps, that helps. Yeah. The underlying purpose, yeah, that's always going to help. I mean, basically, you know, you want a situation where um, – the trust is set up to benefit for s- benefit someone for example if you don't have a beneficiary named or established mm, that's not really a trust so it's got to be for someone's benefit and um, again you know you've got to fund it with some property so you you need to have an underlying purpose
3: all right. So I wanted to ask, and this is kind of a hypothetical because God forbid anything should, ha- should be to happen to him. Let's say my parents are the kind of folks that play fast and loose. And unfortunately, something is to happen to old mom and pop and they don't have any estate planning whatsoever in place. Nothing. What would it cost me roughly just in court fees to, to, to resolve all of that? I mean, that's got to be outrageous, right?
1: Well, court fees are going to You know, you're going to pay something in court fees. Basically, you're going to need to hire an attorney to represent you. And that's where the bulk of the costs are going to come in. If they don't have a will, you're going to need to file an application to determine heirship or determine who the heirs are and what their share, their respective shares of the estate are. And you may or may not need to file an administration depending on whether or not they have any debts or whether or not the estate needs to be administered. To file that, the costs usually range between 250 and 350 for filing fees. Um, if you have to do a determination of airship application, you're going to need to pay an additional $400 for uh, having an attorney at litem appointed, and that money is deposited with the court clerk um for the attorney at litem's payment because they have to represent any unknown or incapacitated heirs and they're charged with doing an investigation to determine if the heirs that are listed in the application are the only heirs of the decedent and so for their work and their time they'll get paid that minimum four hundred dollars if the case is contested or if, it, if it's convoluted or complicated um, and requires more time on by the attorney at litem, then their fees will will increase so but the starting point for them is for so you're looking at about eight hundred dollars uh just for court costs for filing right and then you have to have your poster citation done citation by publication that's all included in that
3: and of course that's not even getting into the attorney the, the that's attorney not giving right.
1: that's not getting into the attorney's fees that's which is where correct. the would come from as you well, mentioned that, yeah that's the lion's share is going to be the attorney's fees for their work
3: so you said something in there that, that caught my ear airship that's interesting. And maybe this is maybe right at the end of the episode. Maybe this is a wrong time to get into it. But I'm curious. What is what does it take to determine heirship? You mentioned application. Uh, who decides who, who 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 becomes an heir? Can anybody apply to be an heir? You well, said investigation. I just I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah. Basically, what would happen is it let's say you're one of your parents, God forbid, of course, one of your yes. parents passed away. So let's say it was your dad mm-hmm. and he didn't have a will. Um, We need to determine the courts need to know who his heirs are in order to distribute his estate because you need to know who to distribute the estate to. So you're going to hire an attorney who will file an application asking the court to determine who your dad's heirs are. And in your application, you're going to list who you think his heirs are to the best of your knowledge. Since you're his son, you would list yourself and any siblings that you're aware of.
3: Assuming I'm not a selfish man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, we know you're not selfish, uh, I try not to be, yeah. <laughs>
2: Trusting in Zach's good nature. That's
1: right. Can we trust you, Zach? I like to think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Speaking of trust, just as an aside to the question you asked earlier about the purpose of a trust, a trust cannot be created for an illegal purpose or for a purpose that's against public policy. Really? Yes. So if that is in any way part of the trust, it will not be recognized as a valid trust. So if a trust... So Trust you know
3: commits in any way any kind of breaking of any of any state law in the state in which it resides, it, it's null and void. It's no good.
1: Pretty much, pretty much. There's a case called Wilson versus Smith that was decided in uh, 1963, actually, so that's a bit of an older case. But in that case, the testator, who's the decedent, attempted to establish a charitable trust that would create and operate hospitals in violation of the Texas Medical Practice Act, the Chiropractic Act, and the Hospital Licensing Act. And that trust was held void because it was against public policy. Really. So there you go. But to get back to your question, Um, once the court determines who your heirs are and what their respective shares are Mm -hmm. and in part that's going to be determined by the investigation that the attorney at litem does then you will get your court order saying you and your siblings are the only heirs each of you get say perhaps one-third of the estate and the estate can be distributed based on that order
3: well kathy thanks for making it through my interrogation
1: (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) i enjoyed it it was fun yeah i trust you zach
3: (laughs) i trust you too yay maybe not kevin yeah
1: yeah hey i trust kevin i trust you too kevin kevin and i go way back that's right
2: information on It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Visit us online at KathyRueLaw.com or check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio.
4: The world of real estate moves fast, and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With locator the communication gap has finally been bridged.
5: Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of real locator I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand.
4: Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy and convenient. locator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Reallocator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional.
5: For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because, you know, you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're going to be able to generate these leads in real time.
4: Download your free version of real Locator on the Apple iTunes Store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com.
6: Hi, this is John Bon Jovi asking you to go to serve.gov to get involved in something you believe in. I'm a big believer in the power of we. We, got each other and that's we can tackle the tough challenges we face and build community through service and volunteering. And it's now or never. The reality is, we're all in this together. We gotta hold on to what we've got. It's time for you to raise your hand and make a difference. United we stand, united we serve. How will you raise your hand? Are you with me? Go to serve.gov for more information about how to volunteer in your community.
9: This message is brought to you by United We Serve and the Corporation for National and Community Service. You ignore the signs, so you enable.
7: You don't want to alienate your child, so you enable.
9: But if you think they're trying drugs, you shouldn't be afraid.
7: You're the parent.
9: So you are able.
1: And we can help. So you are able. Get help at
0: drugfree.org. Partnership for a Drug-Free America Texas Alliance.
8: You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio.